0: So qu- quick introduction. My name's Rob Dallamore. I'm a coach with um, Foot Traffic Endurance Sport Coaching in um, New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand, and um, uh, we have a large group of athletes, both as um, subscription members who train on our online training plans, but also um, myself and and my team of coaches. We coach a number of athletes who um, on a one one to one basis and. Um, uh, myself, I've got quite a few athletes racing in uh, Nice at Ironman World Champs and also have um, quite a few uh, women racing in Kona um, as well this year. And uh, I'll be doing a similar talk to the the, the ladies that will be racing Kona um, in a few weeks time. So we'll go pretty much be going over the same sort of content, obviously being a different location. It's it's going to be a different sort of thing, but um, it's... Uh, you know, as you know, that this is the first year Ironman World Champs have been held out of outside of Hawaii, um, and for a very, very long time it was just in Kona in the one spot. Prior to that, it was in Honolulu, um, so this is going to be a quite a unique experience uh, for you. And I think looking at some of these names, I'm sure some of you have already raced Ironman World Champs in Kona anyway, so you, you have that experience of what it's like being at a at a large world championship event and um you know I've I've been to Kona I've raced it I've raced it three times I'm racing again next year uh I've been probably um six or seven times outside of those times that I've been to race um I've been there just uh just watching it or have had some athletes that I've been coaching there so you know I've I've sort of come to to know how Ironman world champs work and um and whilst Nice will be the first time it'll be done in that location, I think the similar sort of things will apply in that uh, everything's bigger, everyone looks fitter, everything seems faster, and it just seems like a much, much bigger event. But really, when you break it down and you just you just look at the event itself, it is still just an Ironman. And, you know, everyone in this group uh, and anyone watching this has done an Ironman before. So if, if you just... Look at it on that scale and just understand. Well, it is something that you've done before, and anything outside of that to uh, to make it bigger is sort of something that plays on that that's created by your own perception of it. So, I find, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when I've had a good performance at the World Championships, I haven't looked at it as a World Champs before. I've just I've just looked at it as another Ironman event. Expect to get my butt kicked by the course and by everybody. And you tend to come away with a much better performance than you expected. So I think if you go into this race with the same sort of attitude of, Hey, I'm going to go and do this really cool race in this, in this incredible location. First, the first group to a race here in an Ironman World Champs, it's going to be something pretty special. And then itself is an amazing achievement. So um, sort of, go into it with the right attitude and you'll come away with an incredible experience. Um, I'm actually really jealous of you guys racing Nice. Uh, it's, it's a race that I've always wanted to do as an Ironman event. Um, and I watched, well, I used to follow the coverage of the Nice, um, world champs, long course world champs event through the eighties and nineties, um, with, you know, really, really closely. It was always a race that was, quite storied in history and, and obviously Mark Allen won it 10 times in a row. Uh, Rick Wells has won it. He's a good friend of mine. And um, it's just something that that has always appealed to me, that Nice seems like a fantastic place to do an Ironman. So it, it does seem fitting that the Ironman World Champs, um, as it's, this new creation, ends up in Nice. I think it just, it just makes sense. The only other place I could have seen it happening to some success would probably be Penticton in Canada. Um, a similar historic race, similar, um, you know, large, large course that can handle a lot of people. So um, I think Nice is just going to be a fantastic place to race. Um, and, you know, I've the the, fortunate, the lucky thing is, is that it, it's already been an Ironman course. It already is an Ironman course. It's raced, raced in June. So there actually is history and there is an understanding of how that race operates. It's, it's not like you're going into an event um, completely blind without without any understanding of how it works so that in itself means that you can sort of go back through some of the um, results from previous years of Ironman France and just see how how the race has played out and, and, um, and what, it's, what it's come down to in terms of on the day, how the performances have, have, have taken place and there's been some pretty amazing races there and in fact I had a, fr- a good friend of mine raced it um, <coughs> probably 10 years ago Maybe 15 years ago, and um, I remember he, you know, he'd done plenty of Ironman New Zealand races, and he'd been to Hawaii Ironman, and he'd, he'd had a, you know, he'd, he'd done a lot of good races, and he'd been to Race Challenge Roth, and, and he was doing Ironman France, and I was really jealous of him, and uh, I remember watching the coverage of it on the, through the app. I don't even think they had live coverage of these events, and I remember he got off the bike in about five hours twenty, and this is about the same time that he would ride Ironman New Zealand, so I thought five hours twenty, man. That, that must be quite a fast course because that seems doesn't seem any slower than what he would do here and he ran 6 hours 20 so <laughs> they, he told me after the race that he just went out way too fast in the bike and he paid the price, paid a horrible price for it, in fact I think he's, he'd lay down and had to sleep on the beach for for a while during the run so it sounds like it's a race that if you don't respect it, it'll kick your butt and it's the same with any Ironman really, you just have to go into it knowing that um, it is going to be a tough course, and um, you just have to be ready to to just suffer. And that's what we do. We love it. We love we love we love a bit of suffering in our race. and that's why we're doing Ironman. So um, I uh, I spent some time today reading through the the athlete information guide, and um, it's quite funny. I haven't read an athlete information guide properly myself for a long time because I've sort of always done. Um, I've done so many races over the years that you sort of get a bit complacent and it's, it's a bit stupid of, of me to get complacent because I remember at Ironman New Zealand in December um, uh, were, I made some mistakes during the race and they were just simple rookie errors that um, had I read the athlete information guide I probably wouldn't have made those mistakes. So first things first. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I recommend everybody downloads that athlete information guide and reads through it themselves. Um and it was uh, even if it is um even if you had done multiple means before, it's going to be really useful. It's really important. And especially in France, um I found that there were some slightly different things um in the way um they operate than in uh other countries, uh in particular New Zealand, Australia, and Hawaii. So um the the biggest thing, and I think this is this is becoming more and more important in um in the Ironman races now around the world, which is great. But, um, but the first thing that heads up in the athlete guide is um, some instructions from the race referee Jimmy Riccatello and uh, the head race referee. And the big thing that they talk about is um, is the time penalties that can that can occur through either drafting or littering, and um, and and I think they're going to be pretty pretty hard on the littering thing, which is which is obviously a very good thing. Um, because triathlon becomes, and cycling itself, becomes a little bit little bit of a, a hot topic around that part of the world with the amount of littering that occurs during something like the Tour de France. And Ironman will be no different. So uh, any, any time that you seem to be discarding, um, either by mistake or on purpose, some litter, um, you will serve a time penalty, five minute time penalty. Um, and even to the point that if you drop, a, if a bottle bounces out the back of your seat and you're aware of it, um, and you don't do anything about it I actually think there's a penalty with that so that's something to be really aware of making sure your bottles are tied down or fastened down well and your drink cages and even if you use a hair tie over the cage and then over the mouthpiece just to hold it in place just that little extra bit of security um, <coughs> but also the drafting <coughs> oh excuse me I picked up a little cold when I was in Samoa last week, but also um, the drafting thing is, is incredibly important. And um, I'd imagine that with it being quite a hilly course or some sections being quite hilly, there will be some leniency around those, um, those hillier sections, but um, you know, the rolling terrain, the flat rolling terrain, they'll obviously be pushing pretty hard on the drafting. Um, And it's, um, it's a five minute standout penalty, which is standard for Ironman races, three, Three blue cards is a disqualification, um, and a blue card could be either littering or drafting. And then a yellow card is a one-minute penalty, which is um, blocking. And the blocking is a really important thing because um, you'll be cycling on the right-hand side of the road, which is the opposite to what you've done in New Zealand and Australia. Um, and having raced in, in um, countries where you do ride on the right-hand side of the road, it feels quite quite foreign initially and it's something that you sort of start, if you're not careful, you can lose concentration, you can sort of start drifting across to the left a little bit because that's what you're used to, we are used to riding. Just be really aware that, um, particularly towards the end of the bike, when you do start getting a little bit tired, that that as soon as you leave the right-hand side of the road, you are putting yourself into a blocking position, and if a referee sees that occurring and you're impeding the forward advancement of the bike behind, then it's a one-minute penalty. So... Um, Blocking is, is quite an important thing. And, and I actually see them tend to, in, in Kona in the past, they've been pretty harsh, uh, pretty pretty um, strict on blocking um, as much as drafting. So I'd say it'll be the same sort of thing in, uh, in, in Nice. Um, they talk about the bike draft zone being six bike lengths. Um, interestingly, they don't really talk about it being a distance. So six bike lengths from the front of your uh, front wheel to the rear, the back of their rear wheel. So um, um, that's something to keep in mind. And passing on the left-hand side only, which again comes into what we're used to, is we're passing on the right. So passing on the left is is, where, is what you'll be doing. And being really important, um, particularly on the technical descents, of of just making sure that you're not crossing the center line, or or you are keeping to the right-hand side if you're perhaps a little bit of a slower descender, just to allow people to get past. Um, didn't see anything else in the rules that you probably don't know um, if you serve a penalty on a run they will be stopped at, on that spot there's not actually a penalty tent whereas on the bike there are penalty tents um, so <clears throat> reading through the, um, the swim course notes um, it looks like there's a, a swim event which, which you can do either on the Saturday or the Sunday I think there might be one on both days um, and um, whether you do that or not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if swimming the actual course itself is going to be beneficial to, to the race. Um, every year in Kona, they have the, the swim on the Sunday before the race, a week out. And um, I've never done it myself. I've always looked at it and thought, you know, what, what's, it, what's it going to give me other than um, tired arms and um, maybe a kick to the face, which I don't want. And um, it might even freak me out thinking, geez, it is a bloody long swim, isn't it? So whether you're a confident swimmer, maybe if you're a confident swimmer, it could be worth doing. But if you're not, if you're not a super confident swimmer, I don't see a lot of need to, to actually go out and swim the course in the week before the race. Um, I certainly think that it's important to, to go and swim out on the course and to, um, to, to view the key um, sighting locations, Certainly, come, especially coming back. Um, because it's quite a complex course, it's, a, it's it's two rectangular shapes going off in opposing directions, um, with 150 meters across at the top, and it looks like about 25 meters across at the bottom. Um, and I think it's going to be really important to visualise coming back towards the beach, what where, where your landmarks are. Um, it did I did read that you're only allowed to swim 300 meters out from the shore in race week, which. You know that's not a huge amount, so whether they will change that or not in the core uh, in, in race week, um, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. That's not a lot of distance, and it's, you know, in the likes of Kona, you can actually swim the full course yourself in race week. So, um, for those of you that have been to Kona before, you may, I don't know if you will get the opportunity to swim much further than 300 meters off, off the shore, so that might mean that you need to consider maybe swimming along the shore a little bit to get your distance, or you might just have to do a bunch of out and backs. Um, But yeah, just keep an eye out for that. Um, Check-in registration for athletes is Wednesday to Friday. There's no Saturday registration or athlete check-in, which is interesting to remember. I think in in Kona and certainly in previous and other Ironman events, you can still register on the Saturday. So they obviously want everybody there on Friday, no later. To, uh, to, to, to check yourself in. And just this, their standard process of photo ID, um, use the QR code that you have in your email, bring that with you, and also um, your valid triathlon license info. Um, and I know a lot of people have been commenting on the need for the medical information to be uploaded to that website, so make sure that's also uploaded prior to registration because they don't take um, any of that medical information while you're at the at the event. And um, that's just a typical Europe thing. Um, something that I've found with other races I've done either in Switzerland uh, or maybe even Germany where um, you do have to provide quite a lot of medical information. Um, and it just I guess it just covers their asses for whatever reason. Um, welcome banquet and briefing is on the Friday, 6 to 8.45pm. Obviously, uh, I, I always encourage people to go to the welcome banquet. I, already, I always think it's a cool it's a cool thing to be part of. You're there, you're there for a, as much of an experience as you are for, for an event. So, um, if you are going to go, just make sure you get a bit of sleep during the day, so you're not you're not really tired by the time you get home, because it is quite late. Finishing eight forty five p.m. on the Friday night, you do only have Saturday to to get yourself together, and then Sunday before the race. And I've always found the Saturday, or the day before an Ironman World Champs, goes so so quickly. You know, the whole week can drag really slowly. You think you're never going to get there. Then suddenly you wake up Saturday morning and it's all over. And you go to bed Saturday night and you think, crikey, have I done everything? I've got everything done. It can be quite stressful. So if you do need to catch up on some sleep before before that Saturday, then um, it's a good opportunity to do it, um, especially on Friday during the day before you go to the the, uh, the banquet and the briefing. Um Bike check-in with your bags. your gear bags, 11.30 till 6 on Saturday, so that gives you a little bit of time in the morning to go and do your, your pre-race workouts and then um, get your gear in. Um, looking like Transition opens 5 a.m. race morning and it closes at 7.15 a.m., but the first age group wave goes from 7, so I think the male 45 to 49, but it looks look, like it was the last age group way to leave, which was 7.40 a.m. So those, um, those age groupers don't have to be able to transition until 7.15. But they do encourage you to, to be at the start area, to be taken out to the, the start line about 25 minutes beforehand. And whether there's a warm-up area or not, I'm, I'm not sure how that will be, whether the start's a little bit off the beach so you get to warm up as you swim to the start line, or is it a beach start Um it wasn't particularly clear in the instructions. I know it's quite a rocky and it's quite a steep beach, so I wouldn't be surprised if they actually swim you out to a, to a start line slightly offshore. So that might be opportunity to do a bit of a warm-up there. Otherwise, um, you may just have to try and do some dry land warm-ups before you actually get into the water. Um, and, yeah, it's um, – and I fell into the habit. I was looking for the women's start times I was saying, man, they've only got the men's start times, and I remembered it's a, it's a men's only race. <laughs> so this is the first time this is the first time that they've had a men's men's only event for the world champs. So that was all right. I thought they made a terrible mistake. Um, and then from there, um, yeah, it's standard same standard process when you are checking in on race morning. Um, Or when you you take your bike in with your your gear bag the day before the race, you have to have your helmet with you and your helmet goes into your bike gear bag. It doesn't get attached to your bike. So make sure you do have your helmet with you when you go to check it in. Um, They also say to have your race number with you. Obviously, you'll need that to be in your run gear bag. You don't need to have the race number with you on the bike. Um, And they ask that you don't wear it under your wetsuit Because they say the numbers can get wet and they don't particularly last very long if that's the case. But have your run gear, have your race number on the number belt in your run gear bag. And in France and Switzerland, you have to have a pin between your number and your race belt. So make sure you pin it. I think you need to have three pins, which is a very, very unusual thing to do, but that's just, they will demand it, guarantee it. Um, And the other thing is they say that you should pin your Timing chip on your left, uh you wear the timing chip on your left ankle and your pin through the velcro back on itself just so the timing chip doesn't get ripped off, which that, that's actually good practice to do. I've always I've always put a safety pin through my timing chip, not through the leg, just through the timing chip. Um, so there are a couple of notes that I came across. <clears throat> one of the one of the big hassles in I Man World Champs race week is Traveling from the airport to the venue, and um, Kona, it's a it's an absolute headache. And reading into this, I think Nice could be a bit of a headache as well. Um, there are buses from the airports, but the but the buses don't allow bikes to be on them, so um, you don't fall into that trap of thinking oh, I can catch a bus to the airport. The tram does allow bikes, but only if they're boxed. So you've got to keep your bike. Um, in in its bike box if you're going on the tram which i guess if you've only just come off a plane it's still going to be in a box keep that in mind um there are taxis and ubers but again it's always the the fact that is is the is the taxi or the uber going to be big enough to carry your bike anywhere you get so just double check um that it is a is a van and that's something that's caught us out in kona in the past is that um there aren't many uber vans and there aren't many taxis and um that's always a bit of a hassle. So in the past, in Kona, we've just rented a car, it's been easier. And this might be the case with Nice, is it's just, you may just have to rent a car, make it easier for yourself, and that way you get less you get to drive around the course a little bit as well. But the problem with renting a car is, I was looking at the car parking in Nice around the venue, and it looks like there may not be, well, there's quite a few opportunities for car parking, but you'll still need to have a parking ticket um, and I think it looks like there's a day a day ticket as well, which is quite um, which can be quite expensive. But you need to you need to make sure that you've got that um, uh, you've got that sorted out because you don't want to get back and have a ticket. You don't want the gendarme to be ticketing your car when you've been doing an um Question from Martin: Do I think wetsuit? Do you think we'll have a wetsuit option? That's a really really good question. And um, the average water temperature in Nice appears to be at about 25 degrees, which which is actually higher than the allowable limit for a wetsuit to be worn. But in saying that, um, I have a feeling when they when I've I've know people who have been in Nice at the time of year that the race will be that the water hasn't been that warm. So I think to be safe, you take your wetsuit with you, but you also be prepared to not have it as a wetsuit. And um, and then you should um, and then you should have a swim skin. If if you've got a swim skin, definitely wear it. It's worth it's well worth having a swim skin. If you haven't got a swim skin, see if you can get hold of one. They're they are they're not super cheap to get, but they're actually well worth the investment. Um, I find I swim a lot better in a swim skin than I do in just a tri suit. So um, yeah, it's and it might be that you don't. You may not end up wearing it, but I would rather have a have a swim skin on than not have a swim skin, and it's probably the difference between riding a 60mm wheel on the back or an 80mm wheel on the back. It, 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 it the the difference can be quite noticeable and can be quite significant. And you know, for for the sake of a couple hundred bucks, if you can get hold of one, it's probably worth having. Um, I never thought I'd wear my swim skin again, but I've actually done a few races in Australia where I've had to use it. So, so I think it's worth having, but um, yeah, fingers crossed for, for you guys, it's a wetsuit swim um, because that obviously makes things a, a little bit easier on the legs, um, but it's a good question. Um, I wasn't, wasn't able to give you much more information than, than what I've come across already, unfortunately. Um some of you guys might be traveling with um, with a travel company, the Nirvana or Tri Travel, um, and this is back to the travel discussion around race day. I've found that um, those companies are so so good; it just takes so much stress off you. So, if you if you have got one of those travel companies taking you around, then um, you're really lucky. It, it does make a big difference, um, and it, uh, it may not even be too late to still sign up to um, to have one of them take you. So, so look into it. Uh, Luke's got a great question. I love this question. Thoughts on trispoke versus 60mm? Uh, Luke, I, I have, I'm have. i old school. I've got a set of trispokes front and rear, and I absolutely love them. They're so light and they're so aerodynamic that um, if I was racing in Nice, I'd be riding my trispokes because they are lighter than a 60mm wheel set. But then I am a bit old school and they are still tubular. And um, I'd be looking to find the fastest the fastest tubular tire that I can put on them, but um, the tri spokes would go really, really well. Um, if you're running tubeless and a 60 mil, that's probably a better investment than a tubular on tri spokes. But um, tri spokes look so cool, you know. It's just and they sound cool. Um, but uh, I would, I would certainly, uh, I would, I would, I'd run the tri spokes if i if i if I had the opportunity to race there. I was thinking about the perfect wheel set, and I reckon. A super light nimble tri-spokes would be would be great but uh yeah if you've got a good set of 60 mils with tubeless tires um and it's a good quality tire that that's still a really really nice wheel setup because then you can run the tire pressure a little bit lower as well which would be great for traction on the descent um steve said there's a big hill on the bike oh, i was there i didn't know that yeah that should have it's a huge hill on the bike <laughs> um Yes, I, I agree. I think it's going to be an hour for a lot of people. And the question is um, um, my thoughts on calories or thoughts on nutrition on the bike. I, I think that you're you're going to have to preload early in the bike, um, immediately out of the water. You're going to have to take more and then you probably would do in a normal Ironman. Because like you say, that hour, at, which could be near, which could be between sweet, sweet spot and threshold for some people, um, is going to be pretty taxing on the body. And um, even though you get to the top of it, 1,100 meters or wherever it is, there's still some undulations over the top, which is going to be really hard to feel. So I think the first hour and a half of that bike will define how the rest of the day is played out for you. So if you don't take the time to fuel and, and get, get appropriate gearing on your bike as well, so running a gearing that allows you to, to keep the torque lower through your legs as you're climbing the hills, I think that's going to be quite important. So um, gear ratios, you might be running a 34-28 or 36-28, 36-30. Um, Just something to keep that spinning going. So while you are spinning and you're not overloading your legs, you're able to still keep feeling, keep chucking the calories in, keep, you know, keep, keep putting in more, more than you would normally do on the flat. But then if you're working too hard, it is actually very difficult to, to get those calories in. So it's gonna be a fine balancing act. But I think I think the hills pitch up in sections. So there might be like 10% for a couple of meters, but then I think it flattens out a lot in, in other areas. You're still climbing, but the, the gradient eases off a little bit. So you might actually find that those opportunities come about and then you can um, you can chuck some fuel on at the same time. And looking at the A stations, um, they seem to come about every 15 to 20 kilometers. Um, which should mean that you'll probably get a couple of A stations on that climb. And I imagine they'll probably have those at a slightly flatter section as well. So maybe maybe making that Morton move will be getting a couple more j- Morton Gels into you um, when you get those opportunities on those, those flatter sections. Um, and yeah, Martin, you ask a really good question: TT bike or road bike. Um, I've had this discussion with a couple of my athletes. And um, uh, in their case, I've told them to go for the bike that's got disc brakes on them. So for one of them, he's got a specialized shiv that doesn't have disc brakes, it's an older shiv. He's got a Cannondale road bike, which has got disc brakes. Told him to take the the road bike because it has discs. And um, he's a slightly older athlete as well. So he he doesn't really worry too much about getting super aero on the front. And I think for him, it's actually gonna work really, really nicely. I've got another athlete who rides a um, uh, a BMC with rim brakes in his road bike and disc brakes on his tri bike, his BMC tri bike. And I've told him to take his tri bike because, I, again, I think disc brakes on that descent is going to be um, is going to be really nice. So if you've got that decision to make between the TT bike and the road bike, one of them has disc, one of them doesn't. I'd probably go for the disc brake equipped bike. If neither of them have disc brakes and you're on rim brakes for both of them. I still think that I can climb on my TT bike, my Shiv, which is an older model Shiv, so they're lighter than the newer ones. I still think that that climbs just as well as a road bike and um, descending, I seem to be able to go down pretty well on it. So I'd probably still ride my Shiv on that course. Um, And also the fact that the position is still suited to allow you to run off the bike well, what I don't really like seeing is people riding a road bike where they're really flexed through the hip um, and they're loading up their quads or their hip flexors a lot more because of the position in the, the geometry of the bike. And it means by the time they get off the bike, um, especially if they've just had a long winding descent where there hasn't been much pedaling and then 15 Ks of flat towards the end of the bike, then that actually might put, put you under quite a lot of strain through the hip flexors. They might make the run quite difficult so personally if you're normally if you're about a five to six hour Ironman or let's say five to 545 hour Ironman rider I'd probably say the the TT bike would be the, the way to go or less than five hours for a normal Ironman if you're going a little bit slower than 545 you're around six six and a half I think probably the road bike might be the safer option because um it will mean that you are going to be a little more comfortable on the climb, but um, yeah, it's, that's going to be a real individual thing. Uh, and so, you know, I thought that everyone was going to ride tri bikes at seven point three wheels when they had it there and buddy Gustav even won it on a road bike. So he proved, he proved me wrong, but um, I think braking performance is going to be more important than climbing performance on that course. So hopefully that answers your question for that. Um, so, you talked about the A stations on the bike about every 15 to 20 So It looks like, and interestingly, it looks like the one at um, the 84K, oh, bike four A station only has liquid because it's 10 kilometers between the two A stations. So, that might be on a more technical section of the climb. I'm not too sure. It was interesting to see that. Um, the, okay, just standard process with the gear bags, blue for bike, red for run, um, special needs, um, red for run, yellow for bike, and um, you can only have the official gear bags in transition, so you can't take a normal bag in there with you. Um, there's a There'll be a drop-off area to put your street gear bag into. Um, and that was all that section um yeah this is interesting they for special needs they said that you should you can only have food in special needs no clothing um so i that was interesting i i thought they would have allowed the opportunity to put some clothing in special needs especially with it being quite high altitude and a potential for it to get quite cold up, up the top, maybe some arm warmers or, or a vest, but by the looks of it, food only in the special needs bag. So again, there might be something you want to double check when you do get there, if it isn't correct, but I haven't seen that ruling before in an Ironman race. Um, special needs, you get 80 K on the bike, um, which is obviously that'll be near the top of the hill. Um, so it could be quite high up if it, and if it is a colder day, it could be, could be quite chilly up there. Um, And you can get it at any lap on the run, but you can only get it once. Um, Martin, do I know what nutrition is available on the ride and run? Yes, yes, I saw this. So um, there was Morton gels, which is great. Take as many of those as you can because they're super expensive. Um, But I really like Mortons because you can actually take them without having to have water as well. So that's quite a nice... Quite a nice product to be ahead. and they had um a bar called 226 bar which um 226 is obviously the kilometer distance in an Ironman race so that seems to be an Ironman focused bar um and they also had Gatorade and water and they didn't mention what a station on the bike they'll start serving coke but that's normally towards the end of the bike and then they'll have coke on the run as well and they'll still have the 226 gels bananas um Two six bars, Morton Gels, bananas, et cetera, on the run as well. Uh, but yeah, I haven't I haven't tried two two six before, but uh, if if you can get to try one before the race, then it will probably be worth doing. But um, Morton certainly is an easy gel to take in, and Gatorade is just just Gatorade. It tastes nice and it's sugary, so it's all good. Um, but if you do, if you do have your own. Own um, drink that you carry yourself, you do have that at the A station Other the special needs are 80k to refill that if you um, want to have another bottle in there um, Bike cut off 17 hours up starting, 220 for the swim, 10 hours, 15 total for the swim and the bike um, There are intermediate cutoffs on the bike and the run as well and that 17 hours is taken from the time that you start the race and there's um and obviously 17 hours from the time the last person starts the race is, is the official cutoff for the whole race itself so um it i don't know what the times we'll see in this bike for this bike leg um you know it could be it could be quite a lot slower than you do in a normal line but unless um yeah that just might be something that you need to just keep that in mind if you're sort of towards the back of the field um 10 hours 15 total for the swim and the bike um, we're looking into do, do, do. there are no pass zones on the bike as well which was interesting there's some key sections where you can't pass and it was a five minute penalty for passing so just double check in the athlete guide where those sections are and just correspond that to the map just so you know what it is whether it's a, it's a technical descent or might be a narrow section through a village or something so you don't want to get a five minute penalty for passing in through one of those zones um yeah so martin good question with the elevation of the ride should we consider a bike jersey yeah i i I actually would um you you might find that you get quite warm in the climb but um one thing about the the hills around france especially around that coastal area is it is they do attract quite a lot of rain and it doesn't take much for um the temperature to drop if the rain does fall and it is the winds coming from the wrong direction so um I I would, whether you have them on or whether I would take an arm warm, I would take arm warmers with me and maybe, maybe um, pull them up um, or pull them up just to my wrist. And then if I need to pull them up my arm, you can do that as you go through the ride. I think that's if if the forecast looks like it's going to be quite cold at the top, then it might be worth doing Um, or a light vest Um, and yeah, maybe a bike jersey over the tri-suit um just that little bit of extra protection you can always undo the zip on the jersey and have it flowing you know flapping around a little bit more just get a bit more aeration through if it does end up being a hot day but um i'd rather be slightly too hot on that bike than starting to get cold and it could be quite quite nasty if you do get an opportunity to drive over the course in the week before the race maybe get out on some of those um higher sections where it's a bit more exposed and just get a feel for what the wind is like. And if it feels like it's, it could be a little bit cooler. Um, but yeah, I've done, I've done some races in parts of Europe where it's a beautifully sunny day down in the valleys and then it just gets so cold around the top. And, uh, yeah, we, we see some of those Tour de France riders suffering in the cold and that don't even have to do a marathon afterwards. So yeah, it's, it's something definitely worth considering. Um, yeah, the only other thing is quite an important one as well, for, especially for um, as age groupers, we have to be certainly aware of of the risks of of doping in the sport, and um, so as an age grouper, if any any age grouper that takes part in an Ironman event is subject to the um, the wider code and can be tested um, in, a, in a in an event like this, and I have seen age groupers that have been tested. Um, by the um, doping agency, uh, and there have been some age groups that have been caught as well. So, which is great because get them out of the out of the sport. But um, just be aware that if you are on any medication, to um, just double check with, uh, um, with the with your with the national. Um, well, in New Zealand's case, it's Drug Free Sport NZ. In Australia, there'll be one as well. Something to that. Or there's a, there's a website called Global DRO where you can um, enter the details of the medication that you're taking or the supplement that you're using, and it'll just tell you if there's any information about it being prohibited in sport, or if it's permitted. Um, it's good, really, really good practice to get into for age groupers um, as well as professionals. So you can't stress that enough. It's an easy thing to do. Um, and if you if you do have any concerns, or if your doctors, if you got a if you got a bug or some sort of illness and your doctor wants to prescribe you something just just double check with them at the time that it is um it's not banned on the on the um, anti-doping list um and just play it safe that way um that i think for most of the information the only other thing i was going to say that run is dead dead flat like absolutely dead flat and and i was sort of thinking how i would play how I would play play the bike to make sure I get off and run run well, and I think with the um, the descent being quite significant, but coming quite late in the ride, um, there's always that risk of of having cafe legs by the time you get to the bottom of the hill and and not having any, you know, and and your, your sort of body going cold and stagnant from just freewheeling descending for so long. So I would certainly try and. Um, just keep the legs turning over when you are going on that, those scents and any opportunity you get to pedal it, just, just keep the legs moving. Um, and once you get back onto the flat, just, um, don't go down and steam yourself back in an aero position. Just take your time getting yourself used to the, the pedaling again, and just, just loading the legs up again for that last section back into the end of the bike. Because what you don't want is, um, is to get to the bottom of the hill, um, get back into the, your, your, your your, your watts for the final section and find that your body's actually almost gone to sleep and it has to um, sort of overcome this 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 load that you've just thrashed it with um, before you start the run. So, um, yeah, I would sort of treat that last 15K quite carefully on the bike and just, just accept that you may not be riding the same power that you were intending to just because um, you've got this marathon coming up. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how people find that. Um, and the run course itself is four, five k out, five k back, dead flat, dead straight. You can see the turnaround the whole way. Um, it's going to be a real, uh, it's going to be a real game of um, just shutting away your thoughts and just just running to the finish. Um, so it'd be really nice to sort of break it up into sections. I would I would look at um, within each five k section, I'd look at the two and a half k point, the midway point. Tick that off, get to the turnaround. Coming back, midway point, tick that off, get to the turnaround. Rather than just looking and going, holy shit, I've just got to run 10Ks per lap four times two. That's so much. But um, actually it's a little bit more than that because it's 42k. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, I would I would break it up into sections and just just give yourself a little bit pat on the back each each time you knock off one of those sections. Um, special needs bags, the ones that need to be purchased at check-in. I don't know if you purchase them or you receive them anyway. I didn't see anywhere that said you had to purchase them, but it did say at the check-in that you do receive your special needs bags. It says, it's, they say you get five bags. You, you, you get your gear bag, your street gear bag, your bike gear bag, your run gear bag, and your special needs bag. So I don't know if you need to purchase them or if you receive them, but, yeah, those are the ones that that you will use, um, that you'll put your special needs gear in, and you hand that in on race morning before you uh, – go into transition or at, whether you go at some point as you go into transition um i know at, at other imans um domestically you do need to purchase those bags but it might be a little bit different than World Champs. um yeah that's about it from my perspective unless you guys had any questions that you wanted to to fire at me um like i say it's It's going to be the first time it's raced in this location, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a learning experience for everybody. But um, I am super jealous that I'm not doing that one. So uh, I think you guys are lucky lucky you get to do it. Anyone got any questions? It's good that we've already had a few, so that's cool. Um, Okay. Last thing, maybe practice a little bit of French as well. I don't know what it'll be like in Nice through the through the course of this event, but French people really love it. If At least if you try and speak French, uh, if you just walk in there and you start yelling English at them, they probably um, shut down and and they, they, you won't, they won't serve you. But uh, if you have a little bit of French in your background, then um, maybe just brush up on it a little bit just to make sure you know some basic conversation. And if you haven't practiced French before, then it might be a good opportunity to jump on Duolingo and uh and just just get some basic phrases out just so you can have a little bit of uh understanding of what the locals are saying and um and uh yeah you you can at least order a coffee um of nations photo since there's a time yes 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 in the past um they've given us team kiwi and team australia um shirts so I hope they would do the same sort of thing For the for this race as well That might be something that you receive some information later on I, I haven't been told that myself But it might be something that um, that Will be um, sent out to you guys In the next week or so Before the event, but there normally is a photo um, And Yeah, if you can If they do have a team t-shirt And if you wear that, it's, it's cool But I'm pretty sure they'll have something like that Because they've always done it in the past in Kona um, It's good Okay, well, hopefully that's answered everybody's questions. Um, and uh, looks like we've got an hour till the kickoff in the uh, semi final, Australia versus England. So good luck, Australia. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that game. Uh, it's been great having the World Cup here. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really hoping Australia win this World Cup. I think that'll be nice. I've never said I want Australia to win a World Cup before, but Women's Football World Cup, that'll be pretty sweet and uh, let us win the Rugby World Cup. Um, That'll be even better. Uh, anyway, it gives you an hour, so you can go away, get a cup of tea, have a beer, even if you need to. I oh, know you can only have a cup of tea because you're, you're in race mode. But um, yeah, settle in and uh, watch football. But hopefully this has answered everybody's questions. <clears throat> if you have anything else that you need to ask me, then um, I can be contacted, rob.foottrafficcoaching.com, or you can chase me up on Facebook, or you can email um, one of the i men crew just to uh just to fire questions at them or at me and uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how everyone goes i'm uh i'm really looking forward to watching the coverage and seeing if i can pick some of these names out and see how see how everyone's going but um good luck and i'll add this to um thanks bud i'll add this to um my youtube channel and the podcast that i have and um yeah if you wanted to listen back to it or share it on to anybody else that you know that's racing then um you most welcome to that it'd be fantastic um good luck everybody stay safe next four weeks it's almost there take it easy <laughs> cheers dean